You know, um, I'll make a, a few statements to kind of open this up. But the, these are other things, that, you know, I, I think on reflection that the Holy Spirit is he's trying to get us to uh, recognize. When I look at the church today, and I, I don't just, I, I'm not, when I say church, I'm not talking about faith life. I'm talking, I'm talking about the church world we experience in, in all its facets through meetings, conferences, online, social media, uh, downloads, all the rest of it. The church that we experience today, on reflection, and again, this is a personal thing, I think that the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person in the church today. I, I really do. I think, I think he's ignored. Because I, I don't <laughs> think we've realized and understood what his mission is. Because his mission is to take us to Jesus. So that he shows us the things of Jesus. Jesus himself said he'll take of what is mine and show it to you. He'll, he'll, he'll lead you and, and he'll cause, you, cause me to be glorified through what he does through you. So, and, and I think when we, we substitute other things, we start ignoring the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that's deliberate. We, we have this crazy idea that you can ignore the Holy Spirit in order to do church better. That, that is just weird. But it is believed by, I would say, 80% plus of the church world. And that's just strange because it's completely the opposite of what Jesus himself said. See, many people in the church today do not know who the Spirit is and what he's here for. They've heard of the Holy Spirit, but they don't know anything about him, let alone how to relate to him. And, and what they do know about him is stuff that they've heard apocryphally which has gone in his filing cabinet called Weird and Flaky because somebody's told them some sort of extreme story about some crazy person that they met at a meeting who was at the back, nothing to do with the meeting itself. He was a bit crazy and flaky. You know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not to be judged by the fact that seven years ago in Faith Life, somebody turned up at one of our meetings and bounced Tigger on people's heads. That is not the measure of who the Holy Spirit is. And people that turn up at meetings with all sorts of strange ideas. So the enemy uses scare stories about one or two things that happen in order to keep us in ignorance about the Holy Spirit. I'll say the second thing. I believe this too, that the Holy Spirit is actually the most misunderstood person in the church. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't belong to a denomination, a stream, or a movement. And that gives us a problem when we can't own him. The Holy Spirit is not a question of consumer taste or consumer choice. And that gives us a problem too. Because we'd like him to fit into the way we'd like him to fit. And be who we'd like him to be and do the things for us we'd like him to do. 
And here's my third statement. As a result of the first two, I believe the Holy Spirit is often the most uninvolved person in our lives. You know, and, and when you think of that, it's kind of like having someone in your church. Let's say somebody walked through our church doors this morning and we, 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 we got chatting to them and we found out all about them and, and, and we go, like, this person's amazing. This person, it's like having in our church somebody who is the best musician in the UK, the best worship leader, uh, the best preacher, the best pastor, uh, the, the, the best care person, the most consistent healer, the, the greatest strategist, an outstanding administrator, uh, and then saying, great, thanks very much. That's it. And yet the Holy Spirit is all of those things. But we're not drawing on his wisdom. We're not drawing on his gifts. We're not drawing on the things that he will show us in order to achieve what he wants to achieve, which is the glory of Jesus through us. Let me take you back a little bit with, with my journey. I want to take you back to university, university days. And I grew up, so I grew up from the age of uh, 14 uh, till this is the age of 21. And the only knowledge I had of the Holy Spirit, having grown up in a, in a fairly relaxed but traditional church, the only knowledge I had of the Holy Spirit came from a creed that mentioned the Holy Ghost. That was it. And so I'd grown up, and by the time I got to 21, having got saved at 14, I was of the impression that my God didn't do anything. That the enemy was at work in the world, and all we had, all we had left was to endure until we got to heaven. Because God didn't seem to do much. He never turned up for our meetings. He, he, he didn't seem to do anything apart from giving me a bit more knowledge about him. And, and I was kind of like starting to really dry up in my faith. And at that time, I was, I was led to, uh, I don't, I, you know, I, I know, I understand it now, but I was led to read Acts. Because I was reading the book of Acts and I was thinking like, this is, this is crazy because this, this isn't anything like what I see. This isn't anything, I don't, I don't, no, I don't see anywhere that's happening. And, and so I used to uh, travel down on a Monday and travel back on a Friday. In, uh, I used to get a lift from somebody who lived near us, uh, a lady who worked at the university that I was at called Judy Felton. And I, and, and I would discuss all these things with her because she was in the same church as me. And she hadn't really kind of got a clue what I was talking about. So she's driving up the M6, and I'm like reading these passages in Acts, and going, like, isn't that strange? Like, how did that happen? When it said that, they, that the, the Holy Spirit forbid them from going there, how does that work? And she's going like, I don't know, I'm concentrating on my driving. <laughs> and so I, I, I went on this... Um, you see, what stood out for me from all of that is that the level of interaction that the disciples had with the Holy Spirit and the lack of interaction with the Holy Spirit that we had. 
And so I go like, I, it just doesn't weigh up for me. And I started wondering, like, how do they live in that way? How, how, is, how is that working? Does God actually do stuff like that today? And, and so I, I was like, I, I had several months where I was, had this stark, kind of, there's no other word for it, stark disjoin in my life. And I was reading one thing, seeing how the disciples go, and looking at the church I found around me and my own experience and found they were not anything like each other. Here's the thing. I think even for us charismatics today, they're still not that close. There's a lot more that we are not entering into because we are not seeing Jesus through our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're not in that place where he's taking of what his Jesus is and showing it to us. So even today, I think there's, there's much more than we're experiencing. No, there's not the disjoin there was, because at least the Holy Spirit's talked about these days. In even traditional uh, streams of the church. Let me, let me just show you what I mean. Let me just go through a few verses in Acts. I'm going to go through them really quickly. So Acts 5.3, Peter said, Ananias, why is... Don't even try and look them up because I'm going to do them really quick. It's, it's just so you can get the sense of what I'm talking about. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Here's the question. How did Peter know that Ananias was lying to the Holy Spirit? How, how does that happen? How do you lie to the Holy Spirit? If you can lie to the Holy Spirit, what is he? Who is he? It's like, and then Acts 5.32, and we have his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey. So the Holy Spirit's witnessing to things. He's actually speaking through people. He's seeing things, and he's affirming it. How's he doing that? How are they hearing him? How are they thinking about it? How is all this going on? Acts 7, 51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did and so do you. And I get that to that one and I'm going, oh my goodness, am I resisting the Holy Spirit? And if I was, how would I ever know? Because I don't know anything. But they had a, a, a level of relationship where they knew when people were going with the Holy Spirit and when they were resisting him. And they could tell the difference. Acts eleven twelve. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. The Holy Spirit told him. Normal living was that they heard the Holy Spirit with a level of certainty that they knew exactly what to do. I think that's where the disjoin is. I think often we can try and hear the Holy Spirit, but we're not operating at that level of certainty. There's more to be done. There's more to be stepped into. Yeah. Acts eleven twenty eight. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout the world. I have absolutely no idea how you show by the Spirit there's going to be a famine throughout the world. But he did it, and I actually want to know how he did it. But presumably the Holy Spirit caused him to do something that demonstrated to them that that was what was going to happen. Acts 13, 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, 
they went to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. How does the Holy Spirit send people out? I'm starting to, you know, like as a 21-year-old, as and I'm reading these verses, this is not, not computing to me. But even now, it's only, it's only moderately computing to me because we're not living like this. The church of God is not living like this. And, and this is the level of living that we are called to. Yeah. Acts 15, 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They understood what the Holy Spirit liked and what he didn't like. And they were kind of trying to get their hearts in accord with it. I, I, I think for, for many of us, you know, like me included, it's not really number one on my agenda at 9 a.m. in the morning to know and get up and, then, and, and listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying he likes and doesn't like. You know, I, I think we're just like really clunky at this. Really clunky. I think that's the only word I've got for it, clunky. It's deep, deep, deeply spiritual. You can put it in the dictionary, Mark's word, clunky. I know it's a real word, but I'm taking it. Clunky. Acts 16, 6. Now, they, when they had gone through Phrygia and were in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. How does he do that? Does he stand in front of them and go, no, not going past me? I don't know how he does that, but I want to know how he does that. And, and until we know how he does that, we're kind of living below the level that's possible. And I don't want to live below the level that's possible anymore. I... I've been about this too long to not want to live at a different level. When they come down through Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. There he is again. He's got his cop hand up. You're not coming in here. How's this working? I don't know. Acts 18.5, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled, so this now he's in push mode, He's compelling, uh, compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is Christ. Acts 19, 21. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit. So we've had stop, push and purpose. Purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia, Achaia, to go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I'm going to go to Rome. This is just so different from what we see in our lifestyle in the church. And we go like, God, send revival. That's re what revival looks like. Yeah. It doesn't look at, a, it's not a bunch of people getting excited in, meet, in a meeting. It's people so laid down, they hear the Holy Spirit with clarity. Yeah. Where, where they're after his heart all the time. Is, is this making any sense? And it, and it was seeing that pattern that, that kind of like, that's why we end up today, because I think if God hadn't really been challenged me around that and showed me that something else was possible, I think I'd probably have dried up terminally at that time. Because something started to stir within me then. And, and I went in pursuit of the Holy Spirit. I went in pursuit of the Holy Spirit knowing nothing and having been taught nothing. So it was a bit of a rocky journey. But it was the word of God stirring in me and bringing that hunger to life. Does that make sense? You see, that, that comes back to this thing that I taught a lot last year, at the end of last year. The word is a seed. 
And when the seed germinates, it produces a desire in you, a want to in you. It produces, you know, the word of God in us germinating produces that fire that we talk about, that, that, that fire of love and compassion and a heart after Jesus. What I didn't know at that time was all those things I was feeling and the, the idea that I should read Acts and all these questions that were going through my head. What I didn't know at that time, because I didn't understand anything, is that was actually the Holy Spirit doing that. And that was kind of cool when I realised that about 20 years later. <laughs> because he was the one stirring inside me to chase down the things of the Spirit that he wanted to show me. So the Holy Spirit right now is stirring inside each one of us. I don't know if you can feel him stirring in your life at the moment, but he is. And he's stirring up this, this call to a different way of living. You, you, you can't live like this without a devotion to Jesus. You, you can't live like this without a heart after his presence. A heart that, 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 that delights in prayer, because you're talking to him and he's talking to you. We've got to go for something different. Here's some facts that kind of I've discovered on the way, because basically what I'm talking about this morning is who's the Holy Spirit and what's he about? Here's some things that I discovered on the way. So without the Holy Spirit, Christianity is inevitably... Dry, monotonous, empty, and ordinary. Christianity is never meant to be ordinary. If it's ordinary, we're going after the wrong thing. How can it be ordinary to meet Jesus? How can, how can it be ordinary to spend time in his presence? How can, how can we not value that and, and treasure it and want more? Second thing I realize, without the Holy Spirit, church transforms into a social club and an organization. Here's the dangerous thing I think we've got ourselves into in our generation with the church. I think we've created something that has become in its own right a project to make successful or to sustain. So it's become about the project and the vision. And for that, there's a trendy word for that, by the way. It's called the house. Being grounded in the house that you're part of. And the house becomes the project. How can we grow the house? And our vision is, how many people can we get in the house? And that is dangerous because we're never, ever even meant to see the house. We're meant to see Jesus. Here's the third thing I've realized. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no revelation. There is only information. Yeah. Let me tell you this now, and this might seem like I'm being cynical because I am. I have this little cynical bit I'm trying to deal with at the moment. But revelation is not a TED talk. Yeah. 
for us older ones, a TED Talk is a particular type of presentation style, which is very trendy, and you've got to get it all across in 20 minutes, and, and, and it's a particular style of thing. And everybody's training to do TED Talks, because they're the thing. And, and you can make loads of money on YouTube from your TED Talk. But Revelation is not a TED Talk. Yeah. Revelation can be five seconds, or it can be five hours of exposition, depending on what it is. Yeah. It's not a TED Talk. Revelation from the Word is not the same as a talk about the Word. Yeah. You've got to understand that. There's a lot of people all over, the, all over the world talking about the world at this very minute. But talking about the Word does not guarantee there is any revelation that goes with that. There may be just information... And a bit of motivation, if it's a TED Talk, and you're a good presenter. But what we need is revelation, because information, motivation, and, and all the rest of it doesn't transform a life over the long term. Or the only thing that transforms a life over the long term is the work of God in us, as the Holy Spirit gives us revelation of the world and changes our hearts. Point number four. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no freedom. You might think there's freedom because you've defined freedom in a particular way. But without the Holy Spirit, there is no freedom. Really well-known verse. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Ergo, where the Spirit of the Lord isn't, there is no freedom. There is just a wrong definition of freedom. And we can go, okay, well, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We go like, well, compared to the church I used to go, faith life's kind of free because there's no liturgy and there's no kneelers because Roger and Mark can't be bothered to put kneelers out in the morning and there's, and there's no hard pews and, and we, we, we get to boogie occasionally so we have freedom. And that's kind of good. That's not what freedom means at all, but it is kind of good. You see, what I'm talking about is not a service style. Because service styles appeal to all sorts of people. I'm actually talking about a freedom that changes your life, that sets you free from stuff that had your hold on you, that takes stuck Christians and makes them unstuck, takes dying Christians and brings them back to life, Take, takes that, that little smoldering ember that you haven't encountered for 20 years at the bottom of your heart and sets it on fire and says, hey, that's Jesus. And he's alive and he loves you. That sort of freedom. And that sort of freedom only comes where the Spirit is. And the reason it's not a service style is a service style can't do that for you. And by the way, that's really not a good translation of that verse. Here's what that verse actually says. And this, this really convicted me when I... I kind of started to dig into it. It's not about we're a charismatic church, so we're free. Honestly, guys, we've got to really wake up to this. Yeah. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The actual, what it says, is where the, 
Where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. The freedom that sets us free, really free, that changes our life, brings us alive, heals our bodies, turns us around, gives us purpose, gives us excitement, gives us love, that motivates us in the core of our being, is Jesus is Lord. Until Jesus is Lord, we will not enter the depths of living like the Holy Spirit wants us to live. And I, I read that and I go, oh my goodness, there's so many areas of my life still where he isn't. But I want him to be. Yeah. So what do I do? I go to him and I say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you need to do a work on this. I've discovered something else about me today, Jesus, that, that's getting in the way of you. Yeah. Could you take it out of the way? Because I'm doing a really bad job of shifting it. And we need him to show us stuff. We need to show him to show us things that change our hearts so that he becomes Lord. We cannot do that without time and intention. So we have to give time and intention. I know that that's kind of controversial these days because we live in this fast speed, fast food, social media, email-driven generation. Do you not think the enemy knows that's going to get in the way of our relationship with Jesus? So he hypes it up. We have to stop being naive about this and realize that the only way this works is time and intention and letting the Holy Spirit work on us. Because that's how we get free from sin's ability to hold us. It's how we get free of the past and we have a better future. It's how we get beyond pain. It's how we manage to change into a better person. Somebody who looks a bit more like Jesus. There's a, another verse that you probably all know. It says, I, I don't even think I put it on the slide, but it says where the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You, you can't do this with a set of religious rules and form. You, you have to do this with the Word and the Spirit and let the Spirit do it. Point number five, without the Holy Spirit, there's no joy. We should be known as the happiest people on earth, but we are known as the most miserable complaining people around. We, we like... The church of Christ should be unstoppable. But it seems to me that these days it doesn't take even a tiny thing to make it stoppable. Well, we can't upset anybody, anywhere. Stopped. Stopped in its tracks. Well, I couldn't pray with anybody because my work colleagues might get upset. Stopped in its tracks. Mm. 
Well, it's a nice Sunday and the kids have been kicking off. So instead of going to church, we'll have a nice day in the park. Stopped. I've got a busy, tiring life. I just need to rest on Sundays. Stopped. Do you not think the enemy is behind all that? We need to wake up because we are meant to be a people of joy, whatever's going on in our life. And the only way you get joy compared to whatever's going on in your life is you press into the Holy Spirit, not opt out. Opting out doesn't give you joy. It's a diversion measure that leads you into more problems. You, you, you observe over the last five years of your church experience and you tell me if the people who are regular and committed are still here and those who have gone off doing things on Sunday morning are no longer around. Wake up, guys. The enemy picks people off at the edge. So what do we do? How do we respond? We press into Jesus. John 14, 26. I'm going to read this from the Amplified. So you, unless you've got an Amplified, you've got no chance following it. But the comforter, the counsellor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. That's cool, isn't it? I, like, I want all of those things in my life. How, how would you like to have somebody in your life that is a comforter, a counsellor, like he's clever, he's wise, he's got like, he's seen it all before. He's, he's a helper, he's in there with you, he's, he's praying for you, he's thinking about you, he's standing for you, he's, he's advocating you, he's, he's strengthening you. How would you like to have somebody like that in your life? And Jesus said, you've got it. You've got it. You've got this person in your life and this is who he is. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall, will remind you of or bring to your remembrance everything that I told you. That is the Holy Spirit. That's what it would be like if we plugged into the Holy Spirit. It would make a difference to our life. It would make a difference to our neighbourhood. It would make a difference to our job. It would make a difference to our relationships if we plugged in to what we've been given. And we've been given this amazing treasure himself, the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm nowhere near where I intended to finish. So here we go. I'll just do another five minutes. Is that okay? Okay. Here's, so that, that's the first lot of discoveries that I made. But in more recent times, over the last few years, I've kind of made, although the Holy Spirit's been impressing on me, a second thing. 
And this is the second thing, that it's not about the Holy Spirit doing things in my life. Now, bear with me on this, I'll explain it. It's about knowing the Holy Spirit for who he is and delighting in that. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not an end to a means. He is an end in himself. And he is better than the means. You see, I think we, we charismatics have made a tragic mistake in our generation. Again. Here's a tragic mistake. We've attempted to study and understand the work of the Holy Spirit to get it to work for us without coming to know him intimately as a person. So we like the work, we like the, we like the power, we like the miracles, but we don't know him. So we miss out on the comforter, the counselor, the strengthener, the, the one who's all about, the one who's pointing us to Jesus, the one who's saying, I might be able to do a miracle to get you out of this, but if you'd listened to me, you wouldn't have been there in the first place. All those times I was trying to show you what Jesus was trying to show you, and you weren't listening. You would, you go, I need more power, God. I need more power, God. Pour out your power upon us, God. And I was saying, you don't need more power. You need me. In my voice. You need to know me. The power is just something that comes in the package. But you can't understand the power without understanding the person. You know, I, I, I've encountered quite a few people over the years, and, and they come out with this wonderful phrase. You know, they're, they're, they're like, they chase things around. Like they, they, somebody says, oh, God's moving over there, so they're there. And God's moving over there, so they're there. They're off, they're off. And, and it says, oh, well, I just want to be in the glory. I'm going wherever the glory is. The glory's inside you. The reason that... It's not manifesting where you are. It's because you're not there because you're chasing it somewhere else. We don't want to just be in the glory. What do we mean by glory? We mean that tingly, tingly, wum, wum, wum feeling, which is, is really nice, and that is not a word. Because <laughs> I couldn't say it again. But we kind of mean that. We, we, we had a nice feeling. And that is part of what the Holy Spirit does. It's a manifestation of the Spirit. But it's not the whole of the Spirit. There's something much more precious, which is knowing him. And we, 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 unfortunately, we for, somehow we have mistaken the sensation of feeling him in a particular location whenever somebody says, I've got an outpouring happening here, to actually pursuing him for ourselves, yeah. to know him. So it's so important that we establish and we settle in our hearts this one fact. The Holy Spirit is a person. Yeah. Not an it, not a power, not a feeling, and not even an outpouring. He's a person. And he's not just powerful. 
He's not just holy. He's not just creative. But he's real. He's interested in you. He's tender. He's loving. He's caring. He's compassionate. And he's worthy to receive our worship, our adoration, and our attention. The Holy Spirit is not simply an influence of feeling or a power. It's like kind of not a divine mystical power. That's what I thought when I didn't know him, when I heard about the Holy Ghost. But he's majestic, he's wise, he's powerful. He's absolutely incredible. He's compassionate, he's loving. And he's the person in the Godhead who's agreed with the Father and the Son to come to be with us in this horrible, sick, dying, morally adrift society that we live in. And he's agreed with the Father and the Son that he's going to come and live with us. And he's going to guide us through it. And he's going to give us answers when there seems to be no answers. And he's going to set us free when we can't see how we'll ever get free. And for me, I think that produces one thing. It just puts me on my face. And just so much shows me how much of value he is and how small I am in comparison. And to think that he would love me in that way, that he would come into this sort of life to be with me, when he doesn't have to. He can sit in heaven. And yet he came. And he came to me. And he came to you. For one reason. So that you would know him and you would let him know you. Let's, let's finish it there. Let's stand. See, what, what I want you to really know is that me and Cheryl are on a journey. And that journey is about getting to know him. And the stuff that we didn't realize before. And so we, we're going after him. We're going after Jesus. And the way we get to Jesus is through what the Holy Spirit shows us now. And so we're going after the person. And the thing that we've started to appreciate is there is nothing else that compares like all this stuff that we've filled our life up with, it didn't really matter in comparison. You know, I would 
You know, when I think it's David, he says, one day in your court is better than a thousand elsewhere. And the great thing is we're discovering that's true. Yes, Lord. In the presence of God, he's better than a thousand days spent trying to fill our lives with meaning or fill our lives with pleasure or fill our lives with just getting through and, and paying the mortgage and all the rest of it. It's not that those things aren't important. It's just that they have to get off centre stage in our life so we can see Jesus. When we got into this thing, our first love, we gave our lives to him. And he's saying, I need you to rediscover that. I need you to rediscover that. So, Father, we, we just thank you. We thank you for sending your son to save us, to give us new life. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, comforter, counselor, friend, source of wisdom, advocate, strengthener, healer, protector. We thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would work on us where we give you permission now, we ask you to come in, to speak, to shape, to give revelation. Lord, help us to be those who move beyond information to knowing you, really knowing you, knowing you like these guys in Acts knew you. So that we know where to go. We know where to stop. We know where to turn. We know what to do. For your glory. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my life. I give you my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord.